Hey, my name's Alex, and this is my podcast, Alex Listens. This is where you'll hear me, Alex, talk about things like philosophy and race and identity and politics and identity politics and that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, uh, so a bit about me very quickly. Um, I'm 23. Uh, I am now in Melbourne after having lived in London for nearly a year. Oh, well, nine months or something like that. I was studying, but... Um, you know, everyone's circumstances have changed, so I returned home. Um, and yeah, that's all. You don't need to know any anything. There's nothing else that's important about me. I am defined, the totality of my existence is defined by my attachment to university. Um, that's not true. Uh, if you want to hear more about me, um, you should go onto my website and read the bio that I've written about myself. Um, my website is my website. My website is www.alex.co and it's cool. I think, oops. Oh, I just got a notification from the New York times. President Trump, what have you done? I'm going to read it later. Um, okay. So, uh, I have already told you about my website. Um, and I'll quickly tell you about Patreon. So I will never like never, ever, 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 ever have ads on this podcast. Um, I think ads are the bane of uh, many people's existence and they are affecting our psychology in a way that I am totally not okay with. Um, I want us to be as in control as possible of our decision making and uh, I will not support an industry which I believe has... um, uh, ulterior motives, uh, to say the least. Um, so that means that I rely on you, the listener, um, to support me and to help me afford this podcast because, you know, I have expenses, um, equipment, uh, I obviously spend time researching, whatever. Um, and so, yeah, uh, if you're enjoying it, please take a moment to reflect on your financial capacity at the moment. Um, and if you are in a place where a few dollars a month, is something you can afford, um, it would be greatly, greatly, greatly appreciated. And to those new listeners um, who over the past few days have reached out and got in contact with me and shared some of their experiences and also become patrons, hey, thank you. Um, There is the only, really the only thing that I want from this podcast, apart from giving me an opportunity to think about things, I want to share that experience of thinking about things with others. So, When people tell me that it's kind of making them think about things differently or it's made them think about something they've never thought about before or it grants them access to conversations and ideas that they are that they aren't familiar with um, that that is yeah I'm not sure that there's any any other thing that I've ever done um, that has brought me uh, such a feeling of fulfillment and contentment and satisfaction Um, and If you know me personally, or if you've listened to me talk about my experiences with depression and anxiety, you'll know that those are, so feelings of satisfaction, validation, um, they are things that I uh, really struggle to feel. Um, And yeah, so thank you. Um, And if if you'd like to become a patron, um, there'll be a link in my bio. Otherwise, you can find a link on my website under the support tab. Or just type in Alex Listens Patreon. And yeah, I made these like cool categories. Maybe I'll read them out very quickly. 
Um, I think they're kind of funny. Maybe they're pretty stupid, but um, okay. So for two dollars a month, I think you're cool. For five dollars, oh, okay. I'm not gonna read them out. They're so stupid. But I guess the the bottom one. So the ultimate six hundred and sixty six dollars and sixty six cents a month. Um, so I've based all of the like tiers around. Uh, so like, it's it's fucked. So like, this is like the most neoliberal shit ever. But like. You know, I guess it's, I believe it's for a good cause. And, uh, I believe that people should be patrons of things that they believe are for good causes. So there's my justification for my unethical move. Um, but yeah, I've based all of the tiers around temperatures. So like $2 is cool. $5 is warm. $10 is hot. $20 is scorching. $50 is sand slash concrete on a hot day. And $666 and 66 cents is Dante's Inferno by um, Dante Alighieri. Alighieri. Um, yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah. Obviously, that's per month. That's not per second or anything. But if you want, you can give me your entire life savings. And that would be pretty cool. Um, and then we'll be friends forever. And uh, I'll... <laughs> no, don't do that. Anyway, that's enough rambling. Um, okay. So, what am I going to talk about today? Well, there are a number of things that I'd like to talk about, but broadly, I think I'd like to speak about three things. One is, uh, dating, um, dating during this time. Two is the weird psychological effect of the fact that for the vast, vast, vast majority of us who aren't essential workers, um, the most important thing we can do for ourselves and for others is do nothing and stay indoors. Um, and I guess the third thing, uh, will probably materialize, but, uh, yeah, I'll just, I'll just see where I'll see how I go with the first two. So topic one, dating, love in the time of coronavirus, which was actually the title of one of my other episodes. Um, yeah. So I've already used all of my, uh, creative talent and, and now I have, I don't even know what I'm going to call this episode, but hopefully I come up with something clever. So, um, so I've been single for like, uh, 200 years now. Um, and it's fine. Uh, oh, well not, not really. I mean, uh, actually that's not that's not true but um i feel i feel like because i'm an only child and because i'm quite introverted a lot of the time i feel quite removed from uh the world um and being in having to um quarantine or self isolate for 2 weeks has made me um has made me kind of feel very strange about the outside world um but that's not that's not what this first section is about, this first section is about dating. Second section is about the weird psychology of being trapped indoors. Um, okay. So, uh, I, yeah, I use dating apps. Um, if you're wondering, I use Hinge. Um, I feel like Tinder is probably, uh, is probably a, one of the worst, um, platforms ever. Um, <laughs> no, I feel like Tinder's just had its day and, and people moving on to bigger and better things. Um, yeah. 
Uh, I'll tell you what's very interesting though. Remember how like a while ago it was socially kind of frowned upon to to meet to walk around being like, "Hey, I met my partner on on a dating app." But now like now um okay, I have to mute my phone. I'm sorry. Um, now people don't have any other means. It seems like we have totally uh, been ensnared by that way of um, meeting people, uh, meeting romantic partners. Um, and yeah, I think it's cool. Um, you know, so long as people are aware of uh, boundaries um, and people are respectful of others and people listen, people fucking listen. You got to listen. Okay. You got to listen. Um, that's all my dating advice that I'm ever going to give. Um, I refuse to turn this podcast into dating advice. Um, I refuse. Um, okay. So uh, I was thinking, right. So I've come home from, from London. Um, and I guess I was, I was seeing someone for a few months in London. Um, there's some insight into my personal life. Probably (laughs) you don't, you don't need to know that. Um, but yeah, for context, uh, I, um, I guess now I am single and I am thinking about, uh, how, how I can and how I am allowed to navigate the dating space. Um, so my situation isn't, uh, I mean, it it is ideal because I have, uh, I'm extremely privileged. Like many of the people I know, um, uh, many of the people who are close to me have a roof over their head. Um, they aren't in a serious, serious, serious financial strife. Um, they have parents, uh, who have a home where they can go and there's food, but obviously, um, being raised in the inner North of Melbourne, where, um, I was raised in a white middle-class area, um, upper middle class to say the least, uh, lots of professionals, white collar stuff. So lots of the people I grew up with come from, uh, families that had, um, big incomes. Um, uh, yeah. So, so there is, okay. So my point was going to be my situation is ideal because I have a roof over my head, but in terms of dating, it isn't because, well, it isn't for anyone because we, the last thing that people should be thinking about is meeting strangers. Um, Because that is precisely the reason why this has become a pandemic. Um, Because think think about how we were thinking about this a number of weeks ago. So today is uh, the 4th of April. It's a Saturday. It's every single day for me for the past three weeks has felt like a Tuesday or something. Um, I was, I was certain it was a Tuesday, but it's a Saturday. I I feel like weekends have totally lost their meaning. That's another interesting thing. Like how weird is it now that like for many of us who don't have, um, you know, I kind of, I've already spoken about this in one of my episodes called the personal, social and international implications of the coronavirus. But now that we don't have the kind of, uh, access to familiar structures like university and work and, um, you know, whatever things we do, go to the gym. Uh, I don't know what do people do book club, <laughs> uh, go bouldering, um, cave diving, uh, um, yeah. Graffitiing. Um, yeah. So now that we can't do any of that kind of stuff, we're trapped, 
are indoors and we don't go oh well yeah for those of us who are doing the right thing we're not we're not socializing um and so weekends every day technically is a weekend now um apart from the people who are fortunate enough to be able to continue working from home online or whatever i have a number of my friends work in tech and um they've had a pretty seamless transition into working from home but yeah like uh i like it doesn't not that not that because i'm not the type to go out on weekends um Saturdays were never a very special thing for me. Neither were Fridays, but now it's even less special because I don't have, I don't hear about the plans that other people are having. Um, yeah, or the, that other people have made. Um, anyway, anyway, dating. So my, uh, so I live, I'm living with my mom at the moment. Um, my mom is sixty-three, um, and. I am, I'm slightly worried about, actually, I'm, yeah, I guess as, as many of us would be, I'm sure that many of us are going through an experience of a very strange experience of having, well, it's quite, it's quite new for me, I guess. Um, I have kind of been in denial for most of my life. I was in denial that anything was wrong with my parents, that my parents were flawed, that my parents were um fallible uh that my parents could die um and the coronavirus has reminded me that um it's not only my parents who are at risk but uh some of my friends um have uh kind of respiratory illnesses um that that have been ongoing asthma um yeah, some of them have pretty severe allergies, which makes their breathing very difficult. And Australia has just entered into its flu season where there are lots of respiratory illnesses. Um, in that, that's what's happening in the Southern Hemisphere. In the Northern Hemisphere, they're kind of exiting flu season. Um, and so I imagine, I suspect that a lot of people are going to be having kind of symptoms of that may be suggestive that there is something like COVID going on, but, it's, but really it's just going to be... Uh, you know, a, a respiratory, um, a virus, respiratory virus or something. At least that's what my friend who's a doctor was saying. Um, yeah. So, uh, dating, um, I don't know. I just, I, I, I don't even know until, until there is a vaccine for this virus, uh, or until, until people are, um, people have a real, real grasp on the contact they have had with people over the course of a long time. I don't know, maybe like three, four weeks or something. People need to be paying attention to who they've been in contact with. And I think there need to be totally open lines of transparency between friends and family about symptoms. And obviously, you know, we need to be careful about, um, what is psychosomatic and what is actually the case because I'm an anxious person and sometimes I can trick myself into believing that I'm actually experiencing something when I'm not. Um, or when it really like, yeah, yeah. Sometimes I, uh, like I, this one time I thought I was bitten by a snake and I looked up the symptoms of a snake bite and it was like, uh, swollen tongue. And I was like, swollen tongue. um, yeah. So, Obviously I've got form, um, but you know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to pay attention to that and, uh, it is a challenging thing to do. 
So, um, I guess my point is it doesn't seem like it's remotely possible to, uh, to, to date. Um, uh, some like people, people who are already in relationships, I guess, uh, that's, that's cool. Um, and I imagine that people are still seeing their partners. Um, but you know, is there like, is there a point where it becomes like, can a lockdown, can a lockdown ever prevent people from seeing their partners? Well, maybe not because maybe the partners, you know, that they are each other, they are each other. No, the two of them or, or however many there are, um, um, are very, I guess it's just going to be extremely important that they are extremely transparent about where they've been spent, where and with whom they've been spending their time. Um, because if you're allowing someone into your house, into your bed, in if you're sharing saliva um, with someone, uh, then yeah, you know you want to you want to be as sure as possible um, that those people aren't uh, at risk of transmitting or at risk themselves of um, contracting the virus from you. Um, so yeah, uh, I I really think that like that dating as we knew it is de- is it's dead, it's dead now. Um, it it isn't possible to go. Obviously, it isn't possible to go and have a drink with someone. It isn't possible to go and have a coffee. Um, even like even social distancing, walking with a stranger is like. I, I think people. I don't think people should be doing that. Um, Meeting strangers is like, yeah, like during this time, we need to be, (laughs) all of us um, need to be as careful as possible about who, who we're sharing space with. Um, And, and that's, that is like, that's very hard for me to say, because I really like dating people and many people like dating people. In fact, I don't really know anyone who doesn't like dating people. Um, But like, yeah, I don't know. Like there's going to be some strange form of like coronavirus, like socially, like kind of a social respect based celibacy that we're all those of us who are single and like dating people are going to have to go through. Um, for, for, for a while. And I have no, and that's, that's the, that is a strange thing for a while. We don't know how long it's going to take for it to be safe to interact with society in the way that we once did. Maybe it's never going to be safe for us to interact with society in the way we once did. And I don't like, I don't want to speculate about things, but I'm hoping that there are some lessons that we can take away from this. Like, um, you know, we need to be, if we're sick, we don't go outside. We self-isolate. It needs to become socially acceptable and it needs to become normal. Normativity needs to reconfigure itself around allowing people to stay home if they're sick. There needs to be sick pay. There needs to be things in place to allow people to stay home. Obviously, you know, people are going to flaunt that and they're going to be like, oh, I'm sick, I'm sick. But like, yeah, I, I don't know. Supermarkets account for um, 
uh, like things being stolen in the price you pay for everything. So I'm sure there are ways businesses can get around that. Um, yeah. Um, and maybe that's something the government can, you know, with its various stimulus packages, maybe that's something that it can account for or try and account for. Um, so yeah, uh, I, I guess my plans, um, for the future are to try and, uh, yeah, um, just like try to stay, (laughs) uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I just, I think, I think we need to, maybe it's, it maybe like, I mean, okay. Full transparency. Um, I have, I'm talking to, uh, I'm talking to, um, someone or a few people on a dating app. Um, and, uh, with one of them, um, we have moved into the realm of voice messaging and that's pretty cool. And maybe I saw this person on Instagram live stream, one of their dates, um, frooms do people know frooms frooms is pretty funny on instagram um i think she's a close friend of someone i interviewed madison griffiths um yeah so like maybe maybe that's going to be a thing like people maybe we need to get over the weird like people need to get over the weird obstacle of like uh feeling self-conscious about video calling or voice recording and that kind of thing um because i imagine that's going to be one of the greatest forms of intimacy that we'll have for the next while um yeah okay so i feel like i've said enough about dating um but yeah i guess for those of you who are interested um i think it's been really cool talking to meeting people uh via and like learning about each other via voice message um that's that's cool and like i i make a podcast so i guess i'm super comfortable uh speaking into a microphone and recording my voice and whatever but if you're not um (laughs) i'm I'm not going to coach you through your dating life, but like, yeah, I don't know. Uh, maybe reflect on what the things that reflect on the things, if you can identify them, the things that you are insecure about and, uh, have a conversation with someone close to you about them. That seems, that's something that I do. Um, okay. So dating conclusion, probably dead. Um, probably dead, probably dead for a long, for a while for a while. Okay. Topic two, uh, the psychology of, of being indoors. So I listened to this podcast, um, a few days ago. It's by Sam Harris and it's with, it's his most recent one, one episode 194, the new future of work with Matt Mullenweg or Weg. I think it's Veg. Matt Mullenweg, who is the founder of, um, oh, come on. It's, it's, um, okay. See, sometimes I, I, I begin to, I begin to be concerned about my memory because, um, (laughs) it's not Squarespace. It's the other, uh, it's like the OG website building platform. Um, anyway, yeah. So he's the founder of that. Um, and, he, uh, he talks about, oh, what's it called? WordPress, WordPress. That's it. He's the founder of WordPress. 
Um, and WordPress and this other company called, so apparently WordPress was a non-for-profit. Um, I think that's right. Uh, open source. So it's free. Um, no, sorry, not non-for-profit open source. So free for everyone to use. And then, uh, he founded, um, this company called automatic, which is the company that, uh, I guess is responsible for configuring WordPress and working it. So I guess, um, yeah. Anyway, so what's important about this guy, Matt Mullenweg, Mullenweg, whatever, um, is that he, his company has been online way, way, way before, as in like, there isn't a fixed office. Um, and there was an interesting conversation about like the way they use the, the, the way they describe their company. So they don't call it a remote company because that the, the implication of that is that there is like a, a, like a home base. Um, and so it's not remote working. It's just like, I think it's called decentralized. Um, yeah. Decentralized working kind of like, uh, crypto. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know why I laughed at crypto that that's not, that's not even, um, yeah. Okay. So this guy's company, um, has, Obviously WordPress is responsible for like a third of the websites that are made on the internet. So it's enormous and it has enormous revenue and whatever. Um, and it has 1,500 staff and they all work from home. Um, and this guy is confident. He speaks about these five different tiers of like a company becoming decentralized. The first one is obviously where it isn't decentralized and um, people are working from the office and there is a massive push by the bosses for people to go into the office and work. And then the fifth one is where people are like so autonomous. And obviously it's kind of like this utopian capitalist fantasy where people are working from home and they're super productive and super happy. But one thing that was interesting in this conversation was that he spoke about, he referenced this book by an author whose name I've forgotten. Um, but it kind of tied in with the main claims of existential philosophy. And so this book um, was saying that what people don't want or what people don't need are bonuses and big salaries, but what people need are the three things they need are autonomy, um, autonomy, a capacity to grow and uh as in a capacity to get better at the thing they're doing and a feeling of contributing to a better world. And I, I totally agree with that. I think that like, at least with me, like this podcast isn't super financial. It isn't like, it isn't financially rewarding for me. Um, and like the, I, I mean, I ask for people to support me because, um, it will help me afford things and I'm kind of having to you know, do certain things to keep affording the podcast or whatever. Um, but the reason, the main things that the, the reason, the main reason why I keep doing this is because of the autonomy I have. Um, I have so much freedom over who I talk to, what I talk about. Um, I can do it in my own time, in my own space. Um, I continue, I can continue doing it from home. And obviously that's just lucky. Um, I didn't, I guess I, one of the reasons why I thought a podcast would suit my personality is because I'm an introvert and I like spending time alone and I like, I'd like the idea of recording things alone. Um, and yeah. And then the second thing is, 
uh, being able to develop something uh, as in develop your skills. Um, and I feel like I've been developing my skills as um, someone who has their own podcast and who talks and tries to talk in a certain way to make it accessible to the greatest number of people and whatever. And also talking about things that are relevant. I feel like I'm getting better and better at that. If you don't think I am, send me a message, whatever. I'll quit the podcast or burn my computer. It's okay. It's fine. Um, and the third thing is, uh, um, so there's autonomy, there is getting better at something, and then there's contributing to like some wider social cause or trying to benefit people. It's kind of this utilitarian thing of maximizing some kind of striving towards some kind of, uh, like trying to create a world that is best for the greatest number. And I believe that that's something that also drives me to do the podcast. Like when I talk about race and when I talk about politics, driving those discussions isn't a resentment of the people who are racist and who are, um, who believe that, you know, my dad, who is someone who presents as pretty stereotypically Arab looking, you know, the people who think that he's a terrorist and whatever, it isn't driven out of a resentment for them, um, of them. Um, but it's driven out of me hoping that being able to share my experiences with things and my thoughts and being able to have conversations with others is going to establish a kind of baseline understanding of what it means to be a human being. Um, and what it means to be a human being is to occupy a world with many people who look very different and who are very different, but, um, who aren't racist at their core and who aren't bigoted at their core. Um, yeah. Okay. So tying that back into, um, the, the psychology of working from home, I guess moving into the future, we, or something that I'm thinking about is what can I do that is going to allow me to keep affording to live that, ticks those three boxes. Um, and this con, I, I would recommend that you go and listen to this episode by Sam Harris. Maybe some of you really don't like Sam Harris and that's okay. I have my reservations about him as well. Um, but this is actually probably one of the most informative conversations I've had. I've, I've overheard or I've listened to, and I listen to so many podcasts. Um, this is one of the best ones. So just, just for your a reminder, episode 194, the podcast is called Making Sense by Sam Harris. Um, the New Future of Work is the name of the episode. Um, yeah, so, um, yeah, I guess, like, going, and in terms of, like, uh, how how we need to think about, uh, so, yeah, what I was saying before when I was talking about dating, one thing that was coming up was thinking about the safety of, ourselves, those who are at risk and also society in general. So, um, what I said earlier was that the second part was going to be about the psychology of the fact that the, the, the most helpful thing we can do is to do nothing and to stay at home. That's a very strange thing for most of us, obviously doctors, nurses, um, people delivering things, essential services, they, you know, thank, thank you to them. We need to be, they are putting their lives at risk and the people around them at risk as well. Um, and so we need to be very grateful and we need to do what we can to support them. Um, but it's very strange. Okay. So now many of us have a lot of free time. Um, and with this free time, I would encourage all of you 
to have a think about how you can contribute to a society which would work post coronavirus. So briefly, I think a society which would work post coronavirus is one where people obviously there are certain jobs which requ- which require people to which people can't do from home. Like uh, traditionally factory work. I think the reason why um, in in the Western world uh, people there is a big push for people to go into offices. I think that at least the the conversation with Sam Harris, what they were saying was that that came from um, the fact that the Western world was kind of you know behind the industrial or was you know participating in the industrial revolution, um, and that we were in factories and you couldn't do factory work from home because you had to be in the factory, and then that kind of got carried onto and carried into the future, which is you know now. Um, where like people go into their office to work at a computer. Um, and obviously disclaimer, I've never, I've had an office job once. Um, I spent one day in a call center and it was, I really didn't like it. And so I quit. I didn't even spend a full day. And then the second job I had was like, uh, this, um, I'm not sure how I got the job as in, I don't think I was qualified enough. Um, but you know, I, my, um, I'm a self-deprecating type. Um, yeah. And, uh, I sat at a computer and there was a program. And once I'd learned how to use the program, I really didn't need to be in the office and it would like, it would ruin, it really had an impact on my psychology. Um, I was extremely depressed at the time and the, and the idea of going to work all, it was quite far from where I lived and sitting in this office with people that, I'm not sure I really liked very much and, you know, smelling different things. There were all of these, obviously, like, you know, you might say shut up and like, just do your work. But like, no, I could have like post coronavirus, we need to accommodate people doing that work from home. Um, Because that is, that's the future of work. The future of work is work that people are able to do in, a variety of contexts and work that is portable. Obviously not all work is portable. Um, but yeah, like, uh, one thing that was interesting was, um, a conversation about like, like restaurant rest. There are some restaurants in Melbourne that are really great. Um, and I'm sure they're super, they were super successful and they were doing really well before coronavirus. And then the coronavirus happened and they're totally out of business and they are closing down. Um, and so one thing we need to think about, and this is why I keep talking about the idea of patronage for things, for people creating things that we enjoy, we need to have a richer and more profound sense of duty to contribute what we can to these people. And obviously I'm not saying go around giving 90% of your, um, income to, like every restaurant that you see, I'm saying like, I don't know if each of us gave five, if like, okay. So it's within my capacity to give $5 a month to the top three things, like maybe one restaurant, one kind of creative person or two or three creative people or whatever. And then like, yeah, maybe, maybe that's it. And, and like, maybe like we can have one category for like, um, non-creative 
space non-creative uh industries and then like creative people so like restaurants or um or like tradespeople who are going out of work maybe like we can yeah i'm not sure but i envision like some kind of relief relief fund but i'm not sure how i don't know i don't know how something like that could be orchestrated but like i think it's yeah i think that if if there isn't fortunately in australia there is now this social welfare policy called job seeker where if you've lost your job you can apply for quite a generous amount i think it's one thousand five hundred dollars a fortnight um and that's coming in at the end of april so if you don't know about that now you know um please apply if you're someone who's lost your job and is in need of money because our government is trying to <laughs> it's probably i don't know like you know you know in these times you need to think about what the actual motivations of the government are hopefully hopefully you know part of it if not all of it is to protect its citizens um but really i imagine that the reason why they're doing this is to save its economy but you know um the utilitarian argument would be whatever we get the money um that's that's all that's important um yeah okay so i feel like i feel like uh yeah, um, I've said I've said all that I wanted to say today. Um, so dating is dead, and we all need to think about how we can, what kind of work we can do that is versatile in terms of the spaces that we can do it from. So can we work from home? Is our job totally dependent on us? Like for example, one of my jobs was uh, I was a librarian or a library assistant, um, and that was totally dependent on me going to the library and putting books back on the shelf. Um, the library closed. I can't do that anymore. Um, I'm out of uh, an income. Um, yeah. And then I guess one of my other jobs is tutoring and I can tutor online. Um, and so, yeah, like, I guess, uh, maybe I'll direct my resources and energy towards tutoring more now. Um, and I'll have a think about what I can keep doing forwards going forwards uh to yeah um but obviously um another thing we need to think about is the kind of governments that we're voting in um i imagine that social i really i don't see how governments can't now have more have stronger social welfare policies i think that would be the least intelligent thing for a government to do not to introduce a kind of a like pretty strong social welfare policy because that is what people that is what people need they need money to be able to buy things that they need to stay alive people need money to buy food to pay for bills um so many people i know i said before that like the people who are who are closest to me i guess um are able to you know return to their family home but there are others i know who can't pay rent um and it's taken a really, there's been silence on the end of the, I mean, I think I got something from, um, I, yeah, I got, I heard something earlier today about the, the, um, Victorian government doing something about rent strikes or rent relief, or they're maybe, um, freezing rent for a while. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Hopefully, hopefully there are some ethical landlords out there who are, um, who are who are aware of the consequences of um this virus on on people's access to money anyway 
40 minutes um sending love your way uh if you enjoyed this um i also have a youtube you can check the youtube out um i have some videos on there uh with my actual face so if you're wondering what i look like you can go see my face oh follow me on instagram as well that'd be cool um alex listens uh yeah okay be safe um stay indoors unless it's absolutely essential that you leave um yeah do things that make you feel like you're actually alive and real and not in some weird isolated simulation um think about dating and send me a message if um send me a message if if like you have any other thoughts about that because i i don't know i'm kind of stumped i feel like dating is just dead um for now uh until the virus is over and in terms of the psychology of staying alone (laughs) of staying indoors um yeah what do you think do you agree do you think that like um do you think that it's reasonable for people to be thinking about uh jobs that that require that allow them to be kind of versatile in terms of the spaces that they work in or do you think that's too generous of me like is it outrageous to expect everyone actually yeah probably i mean freelancers struggle in london i lived with four freelancers and um there was a lot of stress about work and that kind of stuff and that was before coronavirus um anyway sending love sending strength sending uh sending um sending uh hopefully there was some interest interesting information so sending information from this podcast anyway bye whole day okay kind of like a travel down the one way there's no way to stop feeling okay it's not great it's more like i'm great all day whether i like it or not i'm not complaining i'm just saying that i'm old okay with being broken telling my folks i got no pay and it's probably because i spent it all on mold way but i didn't i just told you that i did because i thought that it was okay to lie like why should i care if i'm not what you like i'm more rick and mortify yeah the more i say i'm okay the more i feel you feel okay okay yeah you don't understand my vocabs okay you know what don't play with my way Save my rosé for some other day When I don't feel okay I just drink OJ Someone got ambition